0: Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Thursday, January 28th, 2021. Well, in just over a week and a half now, millions of Americans will be gathering around their TV screens to watch the Super Bowl, which this year features the Tampa Bay Buccaneers against the Kansas City Chiefs. And one of the more compelling storylines of this game is the matchup between these two quarterbacks. For the Buccaneers, it's Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback of all time, who is going for his unprecedented seventh Super Bowl victory versus the much younger Patrick Mahomes, who is trying to become the first quarterback to win two Super Bowls in a row since... Well, since Tom Brady did it almost two decades ago. Now, I want you to imagine that you are actually one of the lucky fans that gets to attend this game in person, and you are one of the people sitting in the stands. Yet at some point, when the action in the game is critical, Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes walks up into the stands to you and says, We need you. We need you to get in the game. We need you to come on the field. We need you to help us out to win this game. You would think this is absurd. And let's be honest, It's never going to happen. But that scenario and just how drastic that seems should help us to start thinking about what I want us to focus on today from several passages in our Bible reading is how God is calling us to get in the game. God has a mission. And what we're going to see ultimately is that God is sovereign and God is going to do amazing things to accomplish this mission through his incredible power and glory. But he is not merely inviting us to sit back and watch. He is calling us to get in the game, even though, yes, we will see God do great things and we are dependent on On him doing great things. He is still calling us to be involved. And the first place I want us to see that today is Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 19. Now, this begins with the famous story of the Damascus Road, where Saul is transformed by this vision of Jesus Christ. And here it starts with this amazing thing that God does. Where here we see Saul is a persecutor of the church, throwing Christians in jail, responsible for the death of Christians. At least that's what we saw with Stephen. And now he is seeking to go to Damascus and find Christians there and bind them and bring them back to Jerusalem. But as he goes, he sees this light and he falls to the ground and Jesus Christ appears to him and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul says, who are you, Lord? And Jesus says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, but rise and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. And so Saul goes then into the town of Damascus. And what we're going to see here is this incredible transformation to from this person who was persecuting Christians, to this incredible evangelist who will travel the world, write more books than anybody else in the New Testament, and ultimately give his life for Christ. And how does that happen? Well, Jesus appears to him. God does a great work in the life of Saul. But what I want you to notice is, even in the midst of this, God doing this great thing, he's goes to somebody and says, hey, I I want you to get in the game. I want you to get involved. And that brings us to this man named Ananias, who was a Christian. And even notice verse 10 calls him a disciple at Damascus. And the Lord appears to him and tells him, Ananias, you need to go and find this man named Saul. And he knows that you are coming. And Ananias is Of my name. And in response to that, Ananias obeys. He answers the call of God and he goes and he talks to Saul, who at this point has his sight restored and he is baptized. So here, even though we see God is the one who intervenes in Saul's life, God is the one who has the plan for him to be this missionary, to carry his name before kings and Gentiles and the children of Israel, God still calls Ananias. To get involved and as we think there is still this mission that God has given us to make disciples of all nations and for that to happen we are dependent on God doing great things. God is going to have to change hearts. God is going to have to open eyes God is going to have to provide but he is still calling us to get in the game. He, he is calling us to be involved in that mission He is not merely calling us to sit back and and watch. Let's go now to the book of Matthew chapter 9 verses 27 to 38. And here again, we see Jesus doing amazing things that only he can do. We see him healing two blind men here who have great faith in Jesus and his ability to heal them. Then he heals a, a demon-possessed man who was then unable to speak. And this, these are amazing things. The crowds are saying, never was anything like this seen in Israel in verse 33. But as Jesus goes about his mission and as he goes through the cities and proclaims the truth and does more miracles, he is still moved by the crowds. And he says to his disciples, hey, I need people basically to get in the game. Look look at verse 37. Then Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. I think if we put all this together, we find a very healthy place for us to be as Christians. We're in this task of making disciples. We absolutely must be dependent on God. This mission is not something that we can accomplish in our own strength. And in fact, opening the eyes of people that are blind spiritually, raising people from the spiritual death they are in, we are entirely dependent on God to do that. And we will no doubt observe God doing great things. We will witness amazing things that God does. But at that same time, God is calling us not merely to sit back and watch, but to be involved. He is calling us to be the laborers in this harvest. So we must all respond to that today. And I want us to respond even how Jesus tells us to right here in this passage to start with prayer. That we would pray earnestly for the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And let's start even by all praying that for ourselves. Let's say like the prophet Isaiah, here I am, God, send me. I want to be one of those laborers. And I want to challenge you to pray for open doors, for opportunities to get in the game, for ways that you can share the gospel. I even want to challenge you to pray that God would use you to lead somebody to Christ this year in 2021. And obviously we're dependent on God to do that. He's got to work. He has to prepare people's hearts for the message. He has to open their eyes to see the truth, but he is calling us to be involved. He is calling us to get in the game. And let's start doing that through prayer, through earnestly seeking God to send out more laborers into this harvest. And may we pray that God would use us to do that. Well, as we seek to accomplish the mission that God has called us to, as we step out in faith to respond to God's call, there's no doubt times where we are going to be discouraged. Um, There's going to be times where it's like, God, what am I even doing? Here. And that's where we find Moses as we go back now to Exodus. We remember yesterday, at the end of Exodus chapter 5, we see the people are discouraged because now they have more work to do because of this call that Moses made for Pharaoh to let the people go. And we saw even Moses himself discouraged and and asking God, Why did you ever send me? Well, today we want to look at chapters 6 and 7. And at the beginning of chapter 6, God answers Moses. And he says in verse one, but the Lord said to Moses, now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh for with a strong hand, he will send them out. And with a strong hand, he will drive them out of his land. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob as God almighty. But by my name, the Lord Yahweh, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groanings of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. So therefore... Say to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. And then he goes on to describe what he is going to do. And so in those moments where we are discouraged, we must depend on the promises of God. That, that's really what God does there. A couple times you heard the word even covenant, which is kind of another word for, for promise, a more established kind of promise. And we see God reminding Moses of his promises, of the covenant that he had made with Abraham, with Isaac and Jacob, and how God was going to keep that promise. And, and so that reminds us when we are discouraged, we must rely on the promises of God. I've been reading through a children's version of Pilgrim's Progress with a couple of my kids, and just even the other night we were reminded how when Pilgrim and his friend Hopeful were prisoners in the castle of despair, what was it that got him out? It was this key that Pilgrim remember or that Christian remembered that he had, named Promise. What got them out of the dungeon of despair were the promises of God. May that be true for us as well. And not only the promises of God, may we remember God's character. And we're starting one of my favorite Psalms today, Psalm 18. Psalm 18, and it begins really with David reminding himself of the strong character of God. He says, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and I am saved from my enemies. And then we see a really poetic description of that where David describes a moment where he was in distress and he called out to God. And then he gives this picture really of, of the heaven's opening and everything quaking and God coming in power and might to rescue him. Starting in verse 7, it says, Then the earth reeled and rocked, and the foundations also of the mountains trembled and quaked, because he, God, was angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth. Glowing coals flamed forth from him. He bowed the heavens and came down. Thick darkness was under his feet." He rode on a cherub and flew. He came swiftly on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his covering, his canopy around him, thick clouds, dark with water. Out of the brightness before him, hailstones and coals of fire broke through his clouds. Right? And we'll pick it up tomorrow, how, how God appears to answer in this mighty way David's prayer. So may we realize God is calling us to be involved, and that is not going to be easy. You even think of Ananias at first, how he was intimidated by God's call to go and share the gospel and to minister to Saul. And we'll feel intimidated sometimes, but in those moments, where we're, whether we're discouraged or intimidated, may we rely on the promises of God, may we rely on his character, knowing that we have a God that we can call to. So let's call to him today. Let's call for him to to send out more laborers into the harvest. Let's offer ourselves to be those laborers. And let's even ask God, God, use me to lead someone to Christ this year. Let's get in the game. And let's start by doing that with prayer to this Lord of the harvest. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.